Hi, I'm Alex Helmbrecht, and I'm joined here with Daniel Binkard, my co-host, and welcome to the Farcast. Our guest today is Caitlin Redden. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Uh, an, uh, an instructor of business here at Shattern State College, uh, but but a familiar face both to, to Daniel and myself. You were here as a student, and without aging ourselves, uh, we certainly probably used you in some advertising marketing <laughs> campaigns back in the day. Um, but you went to school here, and then you also uh, worked in the start office, and you've had some other jobs. So tell us about your history at the institution. Sure. So my freshman year of college, I transferred here, or excuse me, my freshman year of college, I went to the University of Wyoming, and then my sophomore year, I transferred here. Um, I just didn't see a good fit when I was in Wyoming and I changed my major and I thought, why am I paying out-of-state tuition when I could go somewhere that I can get a really great teaching degree? That was originally the plan when I came to Shadron yeah. State since that's what we're founded on. Mm -hmm. And I took one teaching class and I thought, this is not what I want to do. So I changed to business so that I could... I felt like it was relevant no matter where I went with my life. And at that point, I was kind of feeling the pressure to make a choice and decide what major I wanted. So, yes, yeah, started here as a student in, um, that'd be, geez, 2008, something like that. And then uh, I worked as an ambassador here at the college, so gave a lot of student tours during that time. I also worked at the Rita King Library. I worked for Sean Hartman and um, Christine Fullerton, but also Glenda Gamby was actually who I reported to. So that was a really fun experience. I met a lot of students in that way. After that, I helped the visit office. That was when I came back to get my master's degree, and I was a graduate assistant for the start office, and then I got hired on full-time. So, yeah, I've seen now as an instructor... A lot of different sides, students, staff, and now faculty. Yeah, I, I guess I forgot that you were a graduate assistant. So you've definitely yeah. seen all types of roles here at the college, you know, staff, student, and now faculty. Yeah, so when I graduated with my undergrad, um, I took about a year away from Shadron. I moved away and saved some money to go to grad school at K-State to pursue organizational communication. And then I took a class there in organizational psychology that I really enjoyed, and I'd kept in touch with people here in Shadron, and that's when the Master of Science in Organizational Management degree was starting to become popular, right. and was told, you know, you could come back to Shadron and take classes. It's basically, you get to design your degree based on classes mm -hmm. like that, and you wouldn't have to pay for it because you'd be a graduate assistant and we need some help. So that was in July and I moved in that August to be a graduate assistant. So nice. it was a quick turnaround. Oh yeah. Well, it so worked out. It did work out. <laughs> yes. And I was really lucky. They, I started though the Monday before classes. So orientation started that Thursday and I started the Monday. Just jump right so in. So it was... <laughs> Best time to start. Learn trial by fire. <laughs> Some things I could answer, but there was a lot that... Yeah. Who I worked at the time, they were probably... They were very patient, but... They well, probably good. were thinking like, oh my gosh, maybe this wasn't the best time to start <laughs> somebody brand new. <laughs> no, it, it usually works out pretty well in the end. <laughs> yes, and it did, Just I think. I think anyway. time, it's so, not. Um, so you mentioned you... You started out uh, as an education major and then kind of shifted, and now you end up back teaching again. So it kind of feels like full circle, I suppose. But um, 
I'd like to know a little bit about that, you know, why teaching, sure. but also maybe go back even further and tell us a little bit about your upbringing. You know, where'd you grow up? Uh, where'd you hometown and all that fun stuff? Sure. So I went to country school yeah. until the fifth grade. So we lived on a ranch and we had a really, really small country school of about 10, maybe 13 students. And that was south of Whitman, Nebraska. And Whitman is east of Alliance, if you guys don't know, in the Sand Hills, like a dot on the road map as you're driving through. (laughs) So very, very small. Um, I went to school for a couple of years in Hyannis. And then when I was an eighth grader, my entire family moved into Mullen, Nebraska. And that's where I graduated from high school. And... My mom always wanted me to be a teacher, and I really enjoyed English and language arts, and I was always good at it, and I liked to write, and I loved to read, and my mom, she always said, you should be a teacher, you should teach, and I had a tough class. There were 15 of us, so just to point out again how small Mullen is, (laughs) uh, you know, there were only 15 of us, and it was a tough class, and I told my mom I would never want to teach a group like what I am participating in every single day. And, you know, you yeah. have those. I think no matter where you go, oh, yeah. you just yeah. have a couple of students that are more difficult than others. And um, it was always in the back of my mind. When I went to get my master's degree at K-State in organizational communication, I was hoping to go on and get a PhD after that so that I could teach at the college level. So it stayed in the back of my mind that entire time. Um, and a funny story Kathleen Kirsch it was my advisor for the MSOM program here, mm-hmm, yeah. and she told me, if you are thinking about a PhD, then don't do an internship. You should definitely write a thesis. And then I met Josh, and I thought, oh, man, I don't know if that will ever become reality for me to go on and get a PhD or a doctorate. So I told her, I said, I'm going to do an internship. And she said, no, you should do a thesis. And we, we bantered on it, you know, lovingly for probably a couple weeks. And finally I said, Kathleen, I really just think that this isn't an interest of mine anymore. And she said, okay. And she supported me then to do the internship. Well, then when (laughs) I reached out to James in the business academy and asked him if I could have an opportunity to adjunct, if there was any openings at all, and that I was starting my uh, doctoral degree, so I was hoping to teach. I told him he had full permission to tell Kathleen that she was right. <laughs> I should have gotten <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but I think the, the seed was planted, you know, at a very young age that yeah. I should teach. And uh, I don't know if it's because my mom really wanted me to or, you know, I was so unsure at the time. I always thought what I would teach would be like third or fourth grade. And okay. then I took that elementary ed class and I thought, yeah, I not, don't know. Not quite. I don't think <laughs> that I can quite do this. It takes a special type of person. It does, yeah, yes. Yeah. And we're lucky to have the people that fulfill those roles. But I Very thought, true. you know, from some reflection, this is just not for me. Okay. So it's completely different now. And had you asked me 10 years ago, you know, right. what I would be doing, I would never have told you that I'd be a college instructor right now you know well, yeah, that's, so. that's, that's the question that kind of comes to my mind and I don't, we should probably ask this more of the people that we have on here um, if you weren't teaching college level now if you weren't teaching period what do you think you'd be doing man I have no idea you know between my time in the start office and coming back to the college I worked um, at one of the banks downtown as yeah. a personal banker and I really enjoyed that but 
that's actually something also that contributed to me wanting to teach was I had gone through a lot of training while I was there and the other branches had a lot of new staff. Yeah. So they would reach out to me to ask questions and their branch manager would kind of say, if you have a question, contact Caitlin and she can help and you. natural teacher. <laughs> yes. And, but I never really saw that until then my, you know, colleagues that I had helped them, they didn't need to contact me anymore because then they had worked long enough that they were familiar. Sometimes we would bounce ideas off of each other, but it wasn't Bef- you know, like before when they would call me once or twice a week at least and yeah. say, how do you do this? Or what? How, what's this process again? And I missed that. And then we hired a couple of new bankers and I had the opportunity to train them and realized how much I liked helping, you know, them learn a new job and the responsibilities and teaching them how to do it. So yeah. kind of a natural knack, I suppose. Very good. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> So you've mentioned a couple different times you have a background in START. Uh, So I know there's a lot more to it than just that, but basically helping students uh, with advising and enrolling into classes. Uh, How does that background and experience serve you now in your role? I never realized um, the wealth of knowledge that I received when I worked in START until coming back into a position now on the instructor side. And it's such a blessing that I was able to see the staff side because When I reach out to start, I'm able to say, you know, this student of mine needs to enroll in these classes. These are the prereqs that they've met. This is the call number for the class. I'm able to give them so much information, you you know, because I know how helpful it is. On the flip side of that, when advising, I feel such confidence in being able to tell my students, this is what you should take. This is when you should take it. And being able to walk them through their degree audit. Or if they say, I want to change my major or I want to add on this minor, how do I do that? Being able to go through the steps within our system to be able to say, these are the classes you'd have to take. Are you interested or not? What do you think? I feel like I can have really great conversations with my students and build some camaraderie with them um, just because of that background. And colleagues of mine in the start office always said I played the game, which was kind of an inside joke, but obviously not anymore since I'm talking about it on a podcast. (laughs) But... um, I would have students come in and, you know, I was in my mid-20s at the time, and it was one of those things where I was old enough that, you know, we didn't really relate anymore to each other. What they were going through and what I was going through were different. So I would ask them, oh, you're from Burwell. I have a cousin that lives in Burwell. Do you happen to know? And I would always try to find some common ground Mm -hmm. with them and just developing those skill sets and now, because I'm even older, knowing I don't relate to the students that I have in my classes, I just try to find common ground, and um, I think the start office really prepared me for that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah building that relationship in, in a meaningful, you know, human way is important. So that's wonderful that you're, you're doing that. That's something I always want the students to remember is that I'm human, too. Mm-hmm. So let's just have a conversation about what brought you to Shadron State? What do you like about it here? Yeah. You know, what do you maybe wish that was different that I could help you with? Or, you know, if they need outside resources in any way, I feel a lot more comfortable being able to have those conversations with them than I probably would have had I not worked in the start office. So I'm lucky to have both sides. Good. Both experiences, I guess. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the classes that you're teaching. Sure. So I teach real estate principles. Very important stuff. I, yes. um, So all finance option students and 
the agribusiness option students are required to take it. But I actually had a student give me a really large compliment that they thought that it would be applicable to about anybody because it's all about the home buying process yeah. and valuing homes and things that we don't think about, like city ordinances and zoning. So I really enjoy that class, and I feel fortunate to have worked at the bank since I did some home equity loan and home equity line of credit. I understand a lot of that, a lot more maybe than I would have had I came in, you know, without that experience. So I'm really lucky that I get to teach that class. And I also teach principles of finance. So that's a required class for all business majors. And I do like that class because I get to have contact with students who aren't just in the finance or the management realm because that's really where my areas are. So I get to, you know, meet some of the students who are studying marketing instead or business information systems or accounting, whereas otherwise I might not, you know, ever get to have exposure to those students. I teach organizational theory and behavior, and that's a class within our management option, human resource management also within the management option, and I get to teach our capstone class, which is strategic management. So I've got about five course preps. I did teach a graduate level course in the fall for the first time, so that was exciting as well. Yeah. That was our human capital management class. And I'll teach another um, one of our graduate level courses this coming fall. It's a face-to-face one that we offer, so I'll take that on under my wing. Very good. And so you're in business, so you're operating on an eight-week schedule. Yes. Do you like that, or does it make it hard when... You're, you've got constantly new, new courses <laughs> always, coming in. There's always a week one coming up, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. It's crazy how fast your life goes when it's measured in an eight-week session. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I wow. I mean, you think we're already in week, the middle of week three. This brings three. flying by. Oh, my gosh. For, yes. It is almost yeah. midterm for our students. Yeah. Yes. And I do like the eight-week sessions because we're able to teach a class and then, you know, move on to something else instead of drawing it out the full 16 mm-hmm. weeks. As a student, I really enjoyed the eight-week classes. And when I worked at the bank, I had an opportunity to do some professional development courses, and I took a bank strategy class from Fort Hayes State. And that was a 16-week class. And after only taking eight-week for my master's degree and majority of my undergrad in the business department as well, it was the longest class <laughs> of my life. I yeah. was like, wow, is this class ever going to end? I so bet, I bet. Um, I've just become really acclimated to the eight-week. But I would say there are some courses that might be better taught in the 16-week just because of the amount of sure. information. Yeah. You're going to find that no matter what. The, I mean, Yeah, and I think it's it, the sweet spot is probably different for the student, I suppose, Um yeah, it's an interesting balancing act because I start wondering, you know, is it – there's pluses and minuses to both formats, but would it, would it be beneficial for there to be almost an audit done of all these different courses and uh, say, yeah, this one here could be condensed without mm-hmm. losing anything and this one – well, it needs to be uh, 24 weeks to really get the, <laughs> the full material yeah. done. Yes, <laughs> yes I – In my classes, the human resource management, it's a 400 level. And then the organizational theory and behavior, like I was saying, was the 300 level. So, you know, these students, they have a little bit more deeper thinking when it comes to the concepts or putting together a human resource plan for a hypothetical organization. You know, they have to do all Mm -hmm. the research into it. And I think that spending 
a couple weeks on that's enough time, but sometimes I do wonder, do they need more time yeah. on a project like that? And everybody individually has got their own uh, ideal timeline, too. You know, it's a tough balancing act. It is, <laughs> but it's fun. And I just think that when we make it through an eight-week session, it feels so good, you know, for the students and for us. I think usually week six, week six and week seven, we start to get a like, okay, we're almost done with yeah. this. You, you know, we're almost done with this round, and we'll pick up another one. So um, it feels good to start a new session, but I'm never, like, tired at the end of an eight-week. That's I just, good. I just That's good. I enjoy them. I don't know. They try to soak in the time I have with my students while I do. So Right on. I took a five-week class one time, and that was too quick. Oh, um, man. <laughs> so <laughs> moving on, one of the other things or one of your other responsibilities uh, in the Business Academy is you work very closely uh, with the students in the Rural Business Leadership Initiative. So tell us a little bit more about that and, uh, you know, what is the RBLI, and then what are some of the goals that you have for that program? Sure. So uh, the RBLI is really near and dear to my heart because it's all about trying to find students in our rural areas that are going to go back to rural areas and giving them the leadership skills that they need to succeed. So one thing that we're trying to concentrate on is building their communication skills, their whether that's verbal or in the written form. Um, we want to make sure that they feel comfortable going back and having the skills to create a proposal for a project and how they would actually come up with that proposal and then what would they actually do with the funding and creating a budget. We try to do a lot of networking with the students so that they feel like they could reach out to the business leaders in our rural communities and say, I'm thinking about going into this position, you know, this type of job or a position like yours. Is there any resources that you could provide me or help me with in any mm -hmm. way? So I think that the RBLI is a really valuable program for our students who know that they want to go back to the towns that they came from or of similar size. And there's 15 students in each cohort, right, with the idea to have 60 total. Yeah, so we've kind of gone away from the cohort model because oh. we found that some of our students who are currently at Shadron State might not have known about the program, so they want to apply to be in as a, you know, they might be a current freshman, but they're going to join our program next year as a sophomore or whatever that case mm -hmm. may be. Or we understand that their ideas of what they want to do might change, so they might change their mind about coming into the program. Sure. So um, we don't really limit it at 15. Last year, we brought in quite a few students actually into the program. I think upwards of 25 students oh, that's great. that came in, which was awesome. Yeah. The maximum is 60 students in the program. Though. Overall. Yes. Okay. Yep. And we actually just had all of our applicants. We went over um, a couple weeks ago, the new applicants for RBLI to see the students that we had interested coming into the program. So we're really trying to weigh right now the activities and the experiences that we can provide for our students with trying to find out that manageable number of students yeah. to be able to do that with. Because if a program gets too large, you want to make sure you're developing relationships with the students yeah. and truly understanding what they want from the program and what they want to do when they leave Shadron State. If it's too many students, it's really hard to do that. So right. we've been trying to find a... A nice balance but we did just get back from a trip to Broken Bow we took our juniors and our seniors which was 
quite small classes when we talk about the number of students in RBLI. Um, we only had seven students attend the trip this year, and some are online, so they couldn't. But others that were here on campus went um, went to Broken Bow. We were there for two and a half days, and we met with a lot of business leaders in Broken Bow who are really excited and interested in our program. They, Some of them said, you know, if your students need an opportunity or a job, we'd be willing to collaborate. Oh, so that's wonderful. We're yeah. really excited anytime that we can do something like that. Yeah, that's great. Open so, that door. Yes. So I know RBLA is uh, still reasonably new as a program. What year are we in um, now since it started? Sure. So Gary Dusick started that program. Um, actually, I don't even know the specific year. I would do say. You remember? Maybe it's, three years ago? Yeah, three or four. Okay. I think it was pre-pandemic, I think, when it started. Right. You know what? I think that you are right because yeah. we had to pivot a little bit yeah. when the pandemic yeah. hit. Yeah. And then um, Cassandra Ritson took it over as the sole coordinator last year, and then I was able to come on as a co-coordinator this mm-hmm. year. And part of that is because our group coming into this year, we had 52 students in RBLI in the fall. And some have graduated, so our numbers, you know, aren't as high as they were. But I would say truly that one of the main goals for the initiative is to show our students the opportunities they have in rural communities that they might not have ever thought of. Because we went to Broken Bow and we saw entrepreneurial ventures up to Fortune 500 companies, right? And in Broken Bow, who would have ever thought, yeah, you sure. know? So try to, to show them you can go to a rural area and really make an impact. Yeah, definitely. Just have to find find your niche, find what's, yeah. you know, you're, what you're meant to do. So Cool. Yeah, yeah we really enjoy it. So um, you mentioned you uh, were um, heading toward a uh, Ph.D., Can you tell us a little bit about where are you at in that process? Yes, so I was able to successfully defend my dissertation last July, so July of 2022. So um, I finished school in the early fall. I had to take one more class to get to my 60-hour minimum to get a doctorate. So I got a Doctor of Business Administration with an emphasis in management from Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona. Excellent. So it was an all-online, eight-week format. It was back-to-back classes. So I would end a class on Wednesday, and that next day on Thursday, I started a new class. (laughs) No rest for the wicked. No rest for the wicked. And the only break I got um, was a two-week break at Christmas. They gave all students off. But other than that, which was almost a blessing because sometimes it was a class that you'd have a big paper for so you could work on it while you were on break or whatever, you know, so you didn't feel as stressed about that. And one of them was a research class I was taking at the time. So it was actually helpful to have that extra time. I don't know if everybody spent their time that way. I probably would have been smart to take a break, but (laughs) I just kept going. Keep going, yeah. But um, I was able to finish the program fairly quickly um, in under three years I was able to finish that program so kind of sped right through and it's crazy to think that I'm done but I'm I'm relieved that I can now dedicate and focus my energy on my students and the classes I have and oh yeah the course prep where some of the like the real estate principles class I had to you know make some changes to the class and I felt like this year I had a lot more time to be able to dedicate to uh, strategically placing assignments to mm-hmm. match the learning outcomes and make sure everything aligned. So I am glad to be finished. Let's just put it that way. 
Very good. Imagine. <laughs> good job. Thank you. What are uh, what are some of your interests outside of work? So let's see. I like to cook. Okay. Um, I like to exercise. Those two I, go hand in hand. <laughs> they do. Yes, <laughs> they do. Um, and then you know I have two little people, so we keep really busy chasing after them. My husband teaches high school in Hemingford High. He teaches business, so he also coaches on the side. So yeah. we chase him to football games here and there, and um, he's coaching track for Hemingford right now. So we like to listen to how his track students are doing, and my girls are in swimming lessons right now and dance. So Keeping you busy. They're keeping yeah, you busy. Yeah, that would do it. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but I do really enjoy to cook, and actually – Part of, um, I had some experience working at a golf course in a kitchen, and part of why I wanted to work in the kitchen so bad is because I thought I wanted to be a chef. Mm. So that was a dream of mine for a long time. And then I saw the long hours and thought about, like, the schooling involved, which is funny now because I went on to get a doctorate, so (laughs) what would it have mattered? But, you know, at the time, it was super intimidating to think of doing that. But that's why I wanted to, so I could be better in the kitchen, I suppose. You do you, oh, wonderful. Do yeah. you have a favorite dish to prepare? Oh, man. So <laughs> being ranch girl, like homemade chicken fried steak. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. Delicious. Yeah. Yeah. But I have an Instant Pot, and I'm so spoiled by my <laughs> Instant Pot. I feel like maybe I could um, get like a sponsorship from Instant Pot right now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I love my Instant Pot, and last night I made Alfredo in my Instant Pot. And that's my favorite thing to make right now. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. It's fast and it's easy and it's whole foods that I can pronounce and know what they are. Yeah. So that's why I like it. Well, good. We love to grill and um, we love summertime because we have a garden. I guess that would be another thing is that we like to garden. So Mm -hmm. we'll grow tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers. And one year um, we had cantaloupe, which was interesting because I'd never grown cantaloupe before, but it... It was, it tasted really good. I just was surprised it would do so well in our environment. Yeah, so, yeah that's interesting. Yeah, so that's a fun thing. Um, my kindergartner loves flowers. So this year we're talking about planting tulips in the fall so that they'll come up in the spring. Mm-hmm. And we had a conversation about seeds versus like the bulbs. So that was really fun to see her you know, kind of like open up to like, oh my gosh, she just didn't realize we plant a seed for the garden, but... For something like tulips, you have to plant a bulb a different yeah, time of year. And right. so she's super intrigued, and I'm going to try to support her as much as possible through that learning process since she's a sponge right now. Well, good. So, yeah, great. And I do play the piano. So that's another thing. I'm actually giving my kindergartner lessons since um, she's seen me play a little bit, then she wants to play. Other interests, I do enjoy reading, and I have more time to do that now than I did when I was in school, (laughs) so that's kind of nice. Um, But right now, I've been focusing reading on things that can help me be a better teacher in the classroom, so active learning strategies and recommendations for activities in the classroom. Good for you. So it hasn't been a ton of fun stuff, but There's always more to learn. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yes. So that takes us to the uh, final final questions we have for you. Some quick hitters. Uh, let's see our first one. Uh, well, a favorite book. Harry hopefully, Potter. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully not an educational text. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. No, I love Harry Potter. Um, 
I grew up with Harry Potter is what I like to tell people. And yeah. my senior year of high school, my grandma got me the last book from the Harry Potter series. And I didn't read it for a full year because I was so sad that Harry Potter was going to Putting be it off. Wow. over. Is, yes. Yeah, so something. I felt Put it off for a year. deeply connected <laughs> to Harry Potter. Um, and then over Christmas break. So if I went home for undergrad and would spend, you know, that three or four weeks at home, I would read the Harry Potter series. Yeah. So I've actually read the series several times and I, hands down, yeah. favorite book series, Harry All right. Potter. Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so you, you mentioned you like to exercise and I know mm-hmm. you, you run because sometimes in the morning I walk <laughs> and uh, I'll see, um, I'll see you on a route. So do you have yes. a favorite route to run in town? I do have a favorite route to run. I like to run up 6th Street up Ridgeview, back down 10th, and then behind the trails on the college. So I'll do a loop to on the trail that's adjacent to the new track. Right. It goes um, down by the softball field, and then you can loop back up and run past that again, sometimes up the snake if I'm feeling really motivated to, nice. to do that. It is a good route, especially in the mornings. You yes. know, like the nice sunrise. Yes, and in November, I specifically remember this morning because I was going on a run and I was going south at the time and I looked to the the east and the sun was coming up and yeah. it was just so beautiful but then I looked to the west and there were clouds <laughs> and like the stars were kind of shining through the clouds and it was still very dark because of those clouds on that side and it was it was beautiful I just yeah. we're we're really lucky to live in the area oh, yeah. that we do yeah and I'd like to run a half marathon. I'm hoping to do that this summer. So now I have, again, like verbally spoken this into existence. Yeah, so good luck. I'm going to do it, but we'll see. I believe oh, yeah, in no you. Doubt. Yes, thank you. Uh, what is the best advice that you received when you were a college student? So when I was in my doctoral program, which it's kind of funny that this is what I'm saying is my best advice since it's pretty recent, but I was having a hard time with an assignment. I didn't quite understand what the professor was looking for. And I didn't want to not meet the expectations, especially where we'd already had a couple of assignments. And I was talking to a friend of mine about it. And she said, if you've got a question, just ask the instructor. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't know if I, I was scared to ask or intimidated or what would they think of me? I don't really know. But she said, and this was before I was adjuncting, if you were a college professor, and you had a student who had a question about an assignment, wouldn't you want them to ask you? And I said, well, yeah. So she said, so ask. (laughs) So that is the best advice. If you have a question, just ask it. Don't be scared to ask it. More than likely, if someone has that question, you know, they're not the only one. It's often, it's not just one person who has a question if something's unclear. There are no dumb questions. No. And it certainly helps that we have all these ways to ask the question if we're afraid it might be, if we think it might be dumb, well, we can at least email the professor. We don't necessarily have to ask in class, but (laughs) don't don't be afraid to ask in class either. Yeah, Yeah, at least in an email, you don't hear their exasperation (laughs) or throwing something against the wall. Yes, oh, you're the fourth student that's asked me that. Gosh, I must not have communicated it clearly. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's that's very good advice, though. I mean, ask the question. When in doubt, ask the question. And I spent a lot of time before I asked the question. Who knows how much time I actually spent you know, thinking about the question and not asking it. So I should have just asked. I would have saved myself a lot of 
like and wasted energy and stress. So yeah. ask the question. All always. right. Well, this is a fun one. Speaking of questions, what's your favorite type of cereal? I'd imagine with little ones in the house, maybe something sugary and yeah. sweet. <laughs> well, I would say um, Honey Nut Bunches of Oats with almonds. Oh, that's yeah. not very fun. I know. Sure it is. It's not. <laughs> but you know why? It's because my it's kids don't like it, so I don't get to eat it very often. <laughs> and we've got some Honey Nut Cheerios in the cupboard right now, uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's a heavy, Frosted Cheerios. That's a heavy hitter. Yeah, they do love Lucky Charms, but I stopped buying them Lucky Charms because they were only eating the marshmallows. Oh, of course, oh, yeah, same rule. Yeah, <laughs> same with my kids too. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And then um, my in-laws live in Michigan, and there's some store that sells Lucky Charms marshmallows. It's just oh. the marshmallows, just a bag of marshmallows. Why well, you can get those? I've seen those at <laughs> they got um, a taste farm supply stores up in Rapid City. Yeah, so they got a taste for that, and then mm-hmm. there's no going back to the yeah. whole grain. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is really funny. You just get a pound of sugar and start chewing on that. What can oh. go wrong? <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, if I could choose, like a. Instead of your typical like cold cereal, I like hot cereal. I love oatmeal. Oh it's yeah, one of oatmeal's my favorite breakfast. So if you're doing a hot cereal, oatmeal. Well, yeah, that counts. We didn't we Does didn't specify. Count? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah that's cereal that's count. Uh, Certain I, Alex, kind. We have to. Uh, I like to make like a the regular oats, not quick oatmeal, like the okay. I don't know what that's even called. I guess, but your regular whole grain one, and then I add in honey. And craisins and apples, or do peanut butter and honey. Sometimes maple syrup. Very healthy. Change yeah. it up. That is good. But good for you. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love so it. yeah, what's your favorite cereal? It's like the Seinfeld question. Um, mine's not very fun either. Honestly, my favorite cereal is Kix. Oh, that's good stuff. Mm. I love Kix, but uh, I don't eat them very often because a box will not last very long in my house. <laughs> so. What about you, Daniel? What's yours? Oh, you know, when I was a kid, of course, it was the anything with maximum sugar. Yeah, the, the marshmallows <laughs> were good, like Frosted Flakes and yeah. Fruit Loops. But these days, as, as my twilight years approach, it's, oh gra- it's, it's Grape Nuts. <laughs> grape Nuts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> grape Nuts are good on ice cream. Oh, they would be. Oh, yeah. Make a, yeah. They got the like a parfait recipe on the box. But yeah, I just, yes, about as boring as I could get. Get me some grape nuts. My mom had grape nuts <laughs> once in our, well, probably not once, but I noticed them. And They've been in there like, for 30 mom. years. <laughs> and they're still good somehow. <laughs> yeah, they still taste the same. Well, it's basically dried cardboard, so it doesn't go bad. I asked her, could I try these? And she said yes. And then I remember being like... Mm-mm. These, are, these are not. These are not the win for me today. Because I like crunchy food too, you know. So it's oh, perfect. Yeah. It's oh, the ultimate. Yeah. It's the only cereal though that you put it in a bowl and then you cover it with milk and you can't see it. <laughs> oh, I, I, did, I did find the secret to so that. Dense. And this was the mistake I made. Like every so often as a kid, you know, parents would have it ordered, so I'd try it and like, oh, I hate this. It was too much milk. You, you need to make it more of a sludge. <laughs> oh, this keeps sounding more and more appealing the longer you go. You know what we should try is get some chocolate milk with the, the grape nuts, and suddenly we're back to a sugary cereal. Mm. Yeah, you might have to might have to uh, work, workshop it. that. Th- bring this, it back. this can't possibly be any worse than that time I tried the uh, Oreos and champagne. Not a good idea. <laughs> Just have to report back. And yeah. I mean, Alex and I aren't going to try it, but if you want to try it, then let us know how it this goes. This really should be like a Farcast feature where we bring back stuff or try, try you awful dip, experiments. Did you dip the Oreo in champagne? Like no, milk? no, you just eat the Oreos and then sip the champagne and realize it seemed like a good idea and abstract, but 
just just they just don't go together. Was Oreos. it straight champagne or like a mimosa? I suppose it would be a straight champagne. Uh, I'm Oreos, not up on my uh, champagnes like I should be. Oreos are too sweet. They're good, but like yeah. too sweet. Well, you it, put it's peanut just peanut butter on your Oreo. No, no, this that? is just like the Lucky Charms good. thing again. Game I get changer. the Oreo. I just want the filling. In. Oh yeah, you're like my daughter. Yeah, it's all sugar. Yum yum yum. <laughs> <laughs> so I know what to get you for Christmas. I'll just get you a bag of powdered sugar and oh, make yeah. a jug of chocolate milk and oh, you mix set. the two together. I started thinking of that that um, at, uh, elementary school volcano project with the, <laughs> the vinegar and baking soda. <laughs> Somehow, oh, oh, have we gone off on a tangent? Yeah, that's okay. Um, is it my turn, Caitlin? How many times <laughs> have you been to the top of Sea Hill? And it seems like this might be uh, you might be in the higher range for for this one. Yeah, so I actually try not to run up Sea Hill if I can help it. <laughs> it's, it's very good for you. <laughs> it is very good for you, but I would probably say. Not as many times as I wish I could say. I'd probably say like eight to ten times, but... Is that all? It is, Even with all yeah. those runs? Even with all those runs, yeah, because I'll often just run it's, on the sidewalk yeah. that's paved below, so I don't yeah. often venture all the way up there. But my kids love to go to, oh my gosh, they call it the rock maze. It's not the rock maze, the, the labyrinth. labyrinth. Yes, yeah. they love to go to the labyrinth. So sometimes we'll cop up Sea Hill and yeah. then go down the backside so we can go to that's the labyrinth. But... Yes. Yeah, so I would actually probably been to the labyrinth more times than I've been up Sea Hill. To That's be honest. also a good place. Yeah. But, so yeah, yeah, good old Sea Hill and turning a hundred next year. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. landmark truly. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, Caitlin. We've thank had a lot you. of fun with you. Yes, this has been really fun. Thank you for asking me, and you I'm bet. glad it finally worked out. We ran into barriers with snow. Yeah, it seems that that weather schedule was yeah. just messing everything yeah. up. But. So I'm. I just yeah. feel. Grateful that you asked me to be a part of the show. Yeah, thanks for being on. Yes, thank you. Take care.